So for tonight's class and topic, I would like us to um, walk over tired ground. Now, what do I mean by that? We're going to be learning about the laws of sacrifices, and I want to talk a little bit and go through a little bit the question about what our sacrifice is all about. And in some sense, this is tired ground because we have, I'm sure, covered this in the past. This is something which is very widely discussed and talked about, and people know some of the major ideas behind over here. And in some sense, um, there could be a question about why should we do this all over again this year one more time. Now, it's an important, important thing to recognize that this is not a good question to ask before Pesach. Because on Pesach, we do the same thing, right? We ask the Manashtana and we go through the Haggadah, even though it's the same discussion every single year. Um, so the answer, I think, is the same for both, is that there's a, a Yiddish term, Chazara is the Iker, which literally, well, actually, there's nothing Yiddish about it. It's all English and Hebrew, but it sounds like a Yiddish term. So, so Chazara is the Iker means that repetition is the central and most important thing. And uh, there's a famous term in the Gemara, Kol Ha uh, Lo Meid Ve'ene Choser Ke uh, Zorea Ve'ene Koser. Whoever learns and doesn't review, whoever studies and doesn't review, is like somebody who plants and doesn't and doesn't reap and doesn't and doesn't harvest. So that disclaimer aside, I would like to dig in a little bit into the question about why do we bring sacrifice. So. In Pasakalif verse one in Parshas Vayikra, it says, Vayikra Hashem, Vayikra Hashem Moshem. Sorry, there's a lot of commentary in my Chumash, so it makes scrolling up and down a little bit challenging. Vayikra Moshem, Vayidabra Hashem Elof, and Hashem calls to Moshe, and Hashem speaks to him. And Hashem introduces to him to the topic, to the concept of sacrifices. Rashi writes over here that the word Vayikra, and he called them, is an expression of love. And he says this is a word that's used by the angels, as it says, Vikara Zel Zevi Amar, and they call to each other. And this is expression of love. And he says, as opposed to, uh, there is another instance where a similar word appears by Bilam where it says Vayakar and Hashem seemingly bumped into him, where there wasn't, it wasn't where God was calling for Bilam, but seemingly it was, they met each other, you know, on the road. And even though obviously it doesn't make any sense, kind of literally, uh, to say that Hashem met Bilam, but the idea is, is that God wants to show that Bilam was a ten, was a ten uh, gentle player, as opposed to Moshe, who this was something which was a uh, direct relationship. And it's interesting is that uh, there, we, we don't really see this expression of Vayikra very often, and it's being brought over here, and God calls out to Moshe to introduce the topic of sacrifices. Now, why, why do we bring sacrifices? What are sacrifices all about? So there is the very famous passage in Rambam in uh, Mor Nebuchim that many people, especially those who are uncomfortable with the idea of sacrifices and how they fit into the modern world. And I remember, Paul, you, you mentioned this uh, by your talk on some Torah, which it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's one of, you know, there's a reason why this is a very kind of popular position is because 
it is hard for us to be able to understand the sacrifices in any other context as what we see them everywhere else in the world where they seem to be, to put it delicately, unmodern. Okay? And the Rambam seems to really support this view and more. Nebuchadnezzar, he talks about that the Jews were at this point a primitive people who they had spent the past uh, 250 years, you know, 300 years, um, with the ambient population serving God in this way. And the temptation and the notion of like a, a physical service and sacrifices was something that was very, very appealing to them. And therefore, God, knowing that he can't separate uh, the Jews from this idea right away, it takes some, some time for them to be able to become comfortable with the abstract and intellectual nature of Judaism, gives them the sacrifices as a bridge as a as a as a crutch to be able to kind of get them over that hump where they're able to develop and understand this idea of a of a spiritual God. The Sfarna seems to support a similar idea. The Sfarna says that the not not in the terms of development, but also appealing to Carbonos as a uh, crutch um, by explaining that Carbonos were introduced after the sin of the golden calf. And as we mentioned in the past, this is the Sparta's uh, position on a whole bunch of things, that the golden calf was when the Jews showed that they were not capable of being able to live holy spiritual existences. That the Jews were, they needed some kind of engagement with the material. The material was very important to them. They were very tied to it. And therefore, God had to, in some sense, modify ideal Judaism to be able to address this. And this included a mishkan, a physical place for, for the manifestation of God. It includes sacrifices, kind of using the material world as a way of expressing service. And as we're going to see in Parsha Shmini, this also applies to kashras that the Jews are so tied to the material world and are so affected by it, therefore uh, their constitutions become very sensitive and they have to begin to filter what they're able to consume and not consume because the material has a very, uh, uh, a very profound spiritual impact on them. So therefore, so therefore that's the, uh, the importance of the Sparna, which is not like, the, it's, not, it's, 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 it's not similar to the Rambam in the sense that the Rambam in so the Rambam in 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 uh, the Rambam in Mordechai seems to be saying that this is an, a kind of entrance ramp. Yeah, Herman, question. Point. Point. Uh, so so um so so this seems to be this seems to be. So, all right, according to the Rambam in, in uh, Mor Nebuchim, this is an entrance ramp. According to the Svarna, it's an exit ramp, right? According to the Svarna, the idea was, was that, you know, yes, we're going to have sacrifices for, for all time, but the reason is, is because uh, it, he does evoke the idea that this is a failing, right? That this is, this is not ideal. Um, and according to the Svarna, the question should also be true that the the um, when Mashiach comes and we restore the world back to perfection, 
there should be a question asked, will or should there be sacrifices at that point? And that's definitely a question on the Rambam. That according to the Rambam's opinion that, that it's just this kind of entrance ramp for the Jews, that it's something uh, which they needed, the Rambam should at least, it's reasonable to assume that the Rambam would, would, would feel that when Mashiach comes, since we've already kind of passed this, there should not be any more, any more uh, room for sacrifice. The issue is that the Rambam himself disagrees with this. The Rambam in Hilkos Me'ilah, Parakhas, Halakhas, and the Rambam in, in, in other places, but I, I actually have the text of the Rambam in Hilkos Me'ilah here because I think it's very instructive. Um, the Rambam writes as follows. He says, It's very important for a man to dwell and think about the laws of the Torah and to really try to understand them as best as they could. And the Rambam goes through and talks about all the various things, and the Rambam says at the end as follows. That the world exists because of the avodas hakarbanos, because of the sacrifices. Because through the work of the chukim, which the Rambam seems to be referring to the sacrifices as a chok, as something which we don't understand the reason for, and because of this, this is what keeps the world going. And the Rambam writes that the Karbanos and the Chukim and the Karbanos, they are what kind of keeps the world around. The Rambam in other places, in Beis Abachir and Sefer Amitzos, the Rambam talks very highly of the, of the Karbanos. And in fact, the Rambam codifies two works that are dedicated to the laws of Karbanos and the Rambam wrote Le Yibosa Mashiach. That was the Rambam's practice, that he codified halacha for when Mashiach comes. That's why he writes these words. So it seems very clear from the Rambam in Yad, right, the Rambam in his uh, in uh, Mishnah Torah, that the Rambam believes that karbanos are A, we don't know the reason for them, and B, they are essential and instrumental, and they will be there when Mashiach comes. So to use the classical kind of Torah terminology, we have a steer in Rambam. We have a contradiction in Rambam. The Rambam in, in uh, Moronavuchin seems to imply that A, we understand why they were why they were commanded, and B, that this is something which is a bidieve, this is something which is not ideal. And second of all, um, and, and the Rambam, sorry, the Rambam in Yadachazaka, the Rambam seems to say that this is actually something which uh, is important, is essential, and more interestingly, is something that we don't understand the reason for. The that's the first question. But there seems to be this contradiction in the Rambam. So the fact that there's a contradiction in the Rambam between Mor Nebuchim and Yat is not so surprising. It happens very often. For example, the Rambam, the famous Rambam about magic, that the Rambam in Mor Nebuchim seems to talk about magic as something which is not real and doesn't exist and it's all tricks. But the Rambam in Yad HaChazaka, I have to show you a few places, when he talks about magic, the Rambam really treats it as a real thing and says it's a real thing and talks about it. And similarly with, with angels and uh, Rav Chaim Brisker, and there's a lot of kind of support to this position, 
both within the kind of traditional Talmud community and those who kind of focus from an academic uh, perspective on the Rambam, is that the Mor Nebuchadnezzar was written for a very specific reason. The, it was the, at that time where there was a strong uh, resurgence in the, in the Muslim world of, uh, of uh, Greek rationalism. And this was something that many, many Jews kind of went for hook, line, and sinker. And, they, you know, and the Rambam is writing it, wrote Mor Nebuchadnezzar for a student uh, you know, who he was very close to, who really struggled um, being able to uh, merge these two worlds, the world of uh, philosophy and rationalism, together with the Torah. And the Rambam in Moranavuchim is giving him a path forward about how you could combine those things. But it doesn't mean that the Rambam thought, this, uh, you know, to use the language of this was the Pashat Pshat, meaning that the Rambam did not think that this was the kind of the likely or parsimonious explanation, but he was saying one could believe these things, and this is a possible explanation that is able to fit into both worlds. And the Rambam writes over there, you know, in a few places in Maranabuchim, where he seems to really almost say that explicitly, that he is writing over there to satisfy a certain bend of thought, where he talks about, you know, that, that you know, yes, Plato believed that the world always existed, the Rambam said, you know, if I needed to, I could, I could uh, interpret um, the words of Bracious to kind of fit with this, but I don't need whatever. So the Rambam does seem in Mordechai to be trying to kind of conform to a certain philosophy, and therefore Reb Chaim Brisker and also uh, Reb Yeshebes Soloveitchik uh, in YU felt that when there's a contradiction between Rambam in Mordechai and Rambam in Yad, what the Rambam really held is the Rambam in Yad. Because if you, it's important to also uh, recognize that the, one of the reasons why the Rambam was so controversial was because when he wrote Mishnah Torah, he felt that people should stop learning Talmud and only learn Mishnah Torah. <laughs> so as you can imagine, this is very controversial. Uh, especially because in Mishnah Torah, he doesn't provide any sources for anything. While in Mordechai, he does. The reason is, is because he really felt that Mishnah Torah, the world kind of, the average Jew was no longer capable of studying Talmud, and therefore they should focus all their energies on a smaller, condensed thing. So therefore, the Rambam himself, I think, really felt that Mishnah Torah was his canon, and therefore it would seem that that the Rambam, you know, that the that at least that if, if if there's a contradiction, that Mishnah Torah should really be the one that represents the Rambam's kind of straightforward, kind of core thinking. I would say. But there are different approaches. I want to try to resolve this contradiction, not me, there's a lot who try to, there are many who try to resolve it, there's the Meshachachma who tries to resolve it, there's a, a Rev Baruch Mordechai Epstein also tries to resolve it in one of his works, and there's a lot of people who talk about it, so we're going to try to get back this contradiction around. Okay. Next problem. The Ramban in Bracious and the Ramban over here in Pasuk Tess gets very upset at the Ramban for his position. And he says, listen, I understand if you want to say, if all we saw was Chumash Vayikra, you could argue this, maybe. But Adam Harishon brought Karbanos. Kayin and Hevel brought Karbanos. Noah brought Karbanos, right? These were all people who kind of predate idolatry. Maybe not Noah, but definitely Adam and Kayin. So if they predate idolatry, why are they bringing Karbanos? So that is 
kind of a very difficult challenge to to the to um to, uh, to the view of the Rambam. In fact, uh, Rev Soloveitchik from Mayu, he said that Jewish tradition has always gone with the view of the uh, Ramban in Karbanos, and therefore I don't think about the Rambam at all, and the mainstream is the uh, Rambam. The, the, the issue is, it's very interesting, because Soloveitchik was always very heavily a Rambam man. And in fact, he then gives the Ramban very similar treatment when the Ramban explains what the purpose of the Azazel is, and if you remember, we, we actually uh, studied this in a show one time after davening, that the, Ramban, that, that, that the Ramban writes this very challenging approach, that the Azazel was in a way a sacrifice to, uh, to the Satan, to Satan, right? And it's a very challenging Ramban, and Rabbi Yashabar said, Jewish tradition always do not follow the uh, Ramban in this way, and therefore I don't have to listen to the Ramban. Okay. So that was his approach. But the Ramban's questions, you know, be them as they may, are very difficult. And the Abarbanel uh, is also very, very bothered with the Rambam in Mora's approach because of this. He says that it seems to be very clear, and especially because we're going to keep having sacrifices, to say that the sacrifices are a kind of video that something which was kind of only temporal is very difficult to say. There are, so the Meshachachma tries to explain that the, that, that the Rambam would make a difference, would kind of split between two cases. Before the Beis HaMikdash and the Mishkan was built, people were allowed to do personal sacrifices on a bama. A bama means you can go into your backyard, you can build uh, some sort of platform using multiple stones, you can sacrifice whatever sacrifices you want there to God. So that, the Meshachach writes, that was something which, is this is what, the uh, uh, Rambam is talking about in Mor and Nebuchadnezzar. This is something which was just to kind of satisfy their appetite for this type of worship. And this is, um, and, and this is a bump. But the notion of a Beis HaMikdash and Karbanos and a Beis HaMikdash, this is an, an uh, this is uh, a uh, ideal, but he doesn't really resolve the question because the question of the, of the uh, Ramban was, um, from Adam and Noah and Cain, who did bring up on a bum. So he doesn't deal, he doesn't deal with that question. And also the Rambam in Mordebuchim is talking about Parshas Vayikra, which is talking about sacrifices in the Mishkan. So the Meshachim is very difficult. Rev. Mordechai wants to argue, and he says that the Rambam is not making this up. He brings a Madrash that seems to uh, support this. The Medrash writes, what was the purpose of the Karbanos? It was like a king who sees his son eating all sorts of garbage, and he says, okay, you know what? If you have to eat, come to my table, eat from my table, because from my table I have, you know, healthy food. And he says, this was the purpose of the uh, Karbanos. So it would seem from the Medrash, that the Medrash is saying that the, you people are saturated with this desire for idol worship or for whatever, and, and the Karbanos are there to kind of, you know, deal with that, to, to channel that in some sort of healthy way. And he says, so why is the Ramban attacking the Rambam if, if, if uh, it's a medrash? It's a real medrash, it's a vax, and he tries bringing other proofs. I don't find his other proofs particularly compelling, 
But but so he tries to say that 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 it's not the round. And then he tries to deal with these challenges from Noah and Adam, and it's hard. He seems to say that there was a point in time when this could have been ideal, but then humanity subverted it by going to idols, and once they subverted it, then it had to go. It's 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 a very difficult piece. If anybody's interested, I can, I'm happy to send it out, and they could and they could work through it. So what is what is what is the approach? What are sacrifices, and how are we to approach them? Because even the Rambam, right? The Ramban talks about the idea of a sacrifice as uh, encapsulating a um, a kind of reconnection with God that focuses on the three areas uh, where we failed: speech, action, and thought. Speech is when we dedicate a sacrifice and we and we. Uh, confess over a sacrifice. Action is when we do smicha, is when we lean on a sacrifice. And uh, machshava is when we burn the innards where the machshavos and the, where, where the thoughts and where the uh, temptations lie by burning them and sacrificing them. It's a, it's a way of instilling in ourselves these messages um, that, you know, talking about our uh, relationship with God. However, the, the 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 Ramban himself ends and says that of course there is a deep Kabbalistic meaning to this, which I can't explain over here. So both the Rambam in Yad and the and the Ramban, right? The Rambam in Yad calls it a chok. The Ramban says it's a Kabbalah, which to me is a chok as well, right? So both the Ramban in Yad and the uh, and the Rambam in Yad, I'm sorry. And the Ramban both point to the fact that there's a very deep idea here that either we can't understand or most of us can't understand. And everything else, there are messages and there are ideas, but but you know, on, on some on some you know the deep core reason we can't really understand. So what are we yeah, Herman? Herman uh, Herman, you're you're muted. Yeah, what always stops me in my tracks is the idea of a pleasant odor. You know, you know? Exactly, yeah. So and, what, is, what is that? I mean, what is the, how does that affect the atonement right. as far as Hashem is concerned? Right, so, so that, that, that's a great question, right? And there is this idea, there's a, there's a medrash that says that, you know, God wants to, you know, God enjoys being fed by the sacrifices of the Jewish people, there's something very um, kind of, I'm going to mess up this word, but there, there's something uh, anthropomorphic. Is that, am I saying it correctly? Yeah? Yeah. So, so anthropomorphic in, in, this, in, in, in sacrifices, that they, they, really, they really kind of undermine the vision of and the the kind of the 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 um, the approach we have theologically about God of of God being separate from this world or very distant from this world or something which is entirely non-material like God is everywhere and over here we talk about this kind of God in a very base way in a very smells a good smell he enjoys the meat of the sacrifices. And you know they they calm divine will right, 
and it, it really kind of reads when like you, you talk to other religions or you read from other religions right and especially those that are what we may call slightly more pagan right there is these very strong conversations about feeding the gods and the gods are satiated and filled with the meat of their sacrifices and 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 there's there's something very very challenging for how we talk about the kind of our our understanding of god and being able to reconcile that with uh, with sacrifice also the role of the kohanim right the kohanim have very specific rules to follow in terms of laying out the whatever's on the altar the time of day and it's very very specific and time bound right and and that, not, if it's not done correctly it's it's moot right and and, and so I want to, so Herman, you know, to that point, I want to, I want to descend a little bit into some of the laws of sacrifices and then use that to try to at least present my understanding or kind of how I deal with Karbanos as a whole. So there is a very interesting principle in Karbanos, in all sacrifices. And this is the principle of Lishma, Lishma. What does Lishma means for the name of? So there's a Gemara in Zvachim in the very beginning. The Gemara says that when you sacrifice a when someone slaughters a sacrifice, the Kohen or whoever is slaughtering it or bringing it, when they're doing all these actions, they have to have the proper intention that they're doing it for a particular sacrifice, meaning if you're slaughtering a Chatas, you have to have in mind that you're doing it L'shem uh, chatas. You're doing it because you are sacrificing a chatas. You're doing it for the correct owner. You're doing for it to be eaten at the right time. There's all sorts of intentions a person has to have when they slaughter a sacrifice. Not just that, when they throw it. And one of the most common invalidations of a sacrifice is what's called machsheves pigol. Pigol means when 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 the kohen when they're slaughtering says. Oh, I'm gonna serve the rest of this shlamim or this chatas at my son's uh, bar mitzvah in two days. So since the chatas can only be eaten for one day, since he thought to eat it at the wrong time, he invalidates the sacrifice. Fascinating concept. Why is there the principle of lishma by karban? The other, the other interesting law by sacrifices, right, is that the the in right on one set in one sense, right, sacrifices are incredibly physical and material. However, it says that if somebody brings a sacrifice, if somebody brings a sacrifice, right, and doesn't have well, it's similar to. to uh, to uh, Piggle, they have to have not only the uh, correct intentions, but the it says it says enough that sacrifices that are brought by themselves without real repentance are useless, are worthless. The third question is, is that why do sacrifices these days take up such a large part of tefillah? Of our prayers, right, especially on Shabbos and Yantif, so many of them revolve around which sacrifices were brought when. Why? 
why are they why are they in our prayers at all? So the way I understand the concept of a sacrifice is as follows. The Ramban and the Rambam both agree with the fact that there is the, the, the idea behind a carbon and the purpose of a carbon, everyone agrees, is that it's there to 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 um, to modify and to uh, kind of affect our ideas about our physical self. That for the Rambam, it's about changing, you know, it's helping us be able to shift away from idol worship for for, um, uh, for the Ramban. It's about it's about you know the heart, the souls, are you know the machshava uh, di bermaisa. It's about all these different things. But in all of them, it's about changing the person who's sacrificing the carbon. And the idea behind the sacrifice is that sacrifices exist and their role has to do with the impact that they have on the person bringing them, what they represent or what they do for the person bringing them. The, what the Ramah Memorial of Vuchim is saying the following thing, I think, that when he's talking about the origins of sacrifice, there were many, many ways how we could affect change, how we could internalize proper messages about what we're supposed to be doing with our lives, how we could serve God, how we could build a relationship with God. There are many ways, many messengers for how Hashem could do this. The Rambam is saying, and the Sfarna is saying a very similar idea, that ideally it would not have been done this way. Ideally, God, if humanity was in the proper level, the proper space, ideally human, a, a person should be able to change and to grow internally with an internal process. They should not need external stimulus for that. They should not need kind of the, a material crutch and a material support to help them grow. But okay, the Jews, when they left Egypt, according to the Rambam, or according to the Sfarna, after they, after they symboled by the golden calf, they were at a level that this was clearly necessary. This was necessary. But once this became the approach, once this became necessary, it became ideal. Meaning once the Jews were able to take this and use this to change themselves, and this became a court, uh, incorporated into their service, then okay, in this way, through this outlet, this became a way to, to connect to God. And then once the Torah codifies this, then this is the approach. This is the dark. We've talked about this, you know, in, in kind of other contexts, but there's a reason why the Torah will institute certain laws. But once they're instituted, this becomes the approach. And the Rambam in Yad is saying that, yes, there is some deep hope behind it. Obviously, God would not have chosen this approach, this therapy for the materially attached Jews, 
if there wasn't some sort of deep lasting purpose to it. I don't get it. I understand why God maybe chose it in the beginning, why this approach was needed, but why specifically a carbon, it cannot have been chosen to last for all time if there wasn't some deeper meaning behind it. And that is what the Rambam is calling a chok. A chok means that all we could understand of it now is why it was given, but why it's going to be everlasting, I don't know. So the answer, we say there are two dinim. There are two ideas and concepts for, for, for the Rambam and Asfar. One is the why it was instituted. Two is why it's still here. So the Rambam is saying, why was it introduced if there was a better approach? For the Rambam, it's because of the Zara, and for the Sfarna, it's because of the, of the Ega. That's why Carbonos were instituted. But now there's a second question. We know, we see that when the Torah instituted them, the Torah instituted them to be like that forever. Why were they instituted this way? The Rambam in Yad is addressing the days of Mashiach. He's addressing what's going to happen at the end of time. So the Rambam over there is saying it's a chok. Because indeed, why the Torah instituted them for all eternity, we don't have a good reason for. It's a chok. And the Sephardim would also say it's a chok. We don't know. But it doesn't contradict the fact that you could still say the reason why they were instituted, right, which is a separate aspect, that was there to, to take care of a certain problem. That's why they were necessary. The Ramban disagrees. And the Ramban says, look at Adam and Noah and all those people who brought. Now, Adam is a, not such a great example. Because if you remember, we talked about this in Parshas Bracious, that when Adam was kicked out of Ganeda, right, we brought some sources that the idea was that Adam at that point was no longer capable of being able to, uh, to sustain a purely spiritual existence. And therefore, he needed to be sent into the material world to engage with the material world and to try to be able to find and bring out spirituality from the material world. And carbonos are an expression of that. They are a valid expression of being able to find spirituality in the, in the material world. But the entire idea of the Jews accepting the Torah and becoming the Jewish people, that they were supposed to be at the level of Adam before he sinned. Right? And that's why God builds a Mishkan, because he wants a Dira Be Tachtonim, as the Medrash says. God wants to reside in the lower spheres, which was the state of God before Adam sinned. And therefore, the Jews should have been at the level that they require, they were able to handle a purely spiritual existence. And the Rambam is asking, then why weren't they? And the Rambam says, because, because of, the, of the state that they were in, they were not, even though, yes, they were at the level of Adam Kodamachet, but they would not have been able to handle that. They were spiritually there, but emotionally and kind of, um, uh, you know, psychologically, they, they, they were not. When Noah brings a carbon, remember how the Torah describes Noah when he brought a carbon. Noah isha hadama. 
that he was Noach, a man of the earth. Noach was also seeped in material, seeped in the material world. He was not at the level of Adam, called He was, again, somebody who needed the material world to be able to express his spirituality. These are all non-ideal. The Rambam isn't saying that the notion of Karbanos was invented as a band-aid for the Jews. The Rambam is saying that the notion of Karbanos is, a, is an expression, is a material expression of service. It's a material connection to God. It's a material, sorry, a material expression of service to God. And that's not ideal. Ideal is somebody who's able to talk to God directly. Tefillah. Right? Connecting to God at the highest level through the intellect. The Ramam is very obsessed with the Maranavuchim. You know, emotionally, connection, something which is internal, right, to God. Karbanos engaging in the material to connect to God through that is not ideal. And it's not ideal for the Sfarna. And it's interesting, right, that we had this debate of the Ram, of, of the Ramban and Sfarna earlier by the Mishkan. The Ramban is very happy with there being an ideal where humanity uses the material to connect to God. The Sfarna does not like that. The Rambam does not like that. So the Rambam is left with the question, why then will we have sacrifices when Mashiach comes? Okay, there must be two reasons. There must be some deeper idea why this specific thing is necessary, and that's a chok. It's a chok. The Ramban disagrees. The Ramban says, no, the entire purpose of human existence is to engage in the material and to kind of bring, you know, uh, bring heaven and earth together, to connect heaven and earth. And the Ramban says this in a few places where he talks about the idea and the purpose of Adam, right, is the, is the, is the fusion of heaven and earth. And therefore, for the, for the Ramban, Karbanos are a beautiful expression of that where we use the material world, we use a living thing to be able to model our contrition, our, our recognition of the devastation of sin and what it impacts and what it affects, and our desire to become kind of close to God again. And the karbanos are a very important expression. But even the Ramban will agree that this is not the final, this is not the only reason. There has to be something deeper here. And that's why he kind of talks about Adarachem. That's kind of how I understand Karban. Is that at the heart of it, everybody agrees that the Karban is this kind of idea of using the material world as service to God. So the, Ram, the Rambam and Sfarna say this is not ideal and it's problematic. And the Rambam says it is ideal. Yeah, Herman, sorry. Uh the root of korban is korav, right? To draw close. Mm -hmm. So it's like we become the intermediary. We become, we're in between heaven and earth by doing it. Right. We have, we have kind of bring ourselves closer. So going forward, did, did the Rambam mean that like when he said forever? Yeah. Was it the same intention? Yeah, so so the the will it seems like you know even after Mashiach, and I want to get into the whole you know very interesting question about the role of kind of Judaism and spirituality after after uh, Mashiach comes. But yeah, there there will still be 
after Mashiach comes, as long as there is a base Hamikdash, there will still be that need, yes, of combining heaven and earth. Yeah, clearly, you're right. Yeah. So that's so so that's kind of you know how I understand the carbon. The idea of a carbon is is that and and therefore it's so why then do we have it in tefillah? If tefillah, if 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 prayer in some extent is should be according to the Rambam a higher expression than Karbanos, right? Because it's believe, it's in the heart, is it? So why then do we do we do we have it in prayer? So I saw the idea once is that the reason why we talk about Karbanos in prayer, and the reason why they're kind of part of our prayer is because it's very easy for us to take prayer as simply kind of a abstract conversation with God, right? Does God hear or doesn't hear, you know, how much, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the Rambam in some sense, and more in the Ruka when he talks about prayer, almost frames it like an intellectual exercise, right? And it's this, it's this kind of very, you know, Interesting. It's a, it's, a, it's a conversation. It's something between between me and God. And the idea behind the sacrifices is to understand that no, that prayer is not just that. Prayer is a form of, in a way, sacrificing yourself. It's a way of bringing yourself as a karma, of bringing yourself close to God. And it says that when you recite the prayers of the karbanos, it's as if you are bringing them, because according to the Ramban, the purpose of the karbanos. And according to everybody, it was always about an act of kind of sanctifying the material and bringing yourself closer to God. And therefore, prayer has that, has that goal. It's not just about talking to God. It's about actually transforming yourself and recognizing the importance of transforming your, your, your own material in the service of God. Okay. That's, uh, that's all, we, all, you know, all I have to say about this question of Carbonos. Um, you know, questions and comments, please. Uh, I've heard, I don't remember where I, I heard this, that, that uh, Karban is not, um, or not mainly just a, you know, necessary evil, the Avad, we have to do this because um, people in those days needed to imitate pagan religions to understand how to approach God. But that it also represented what you're talking about with you're sacrificing yourself, you're, you're sanctifying yourself. It also represents um, bringing, sanctifying the material world. In other words, the animal that is sacrificed. Right. It kind of elevates that animal. Yeah. I mean, it takes the, it, it, it makes the, the, the person doing the sacrifice aware that the entire world is uh, becomes holy through their act. Right. It's very interesting that there's, there's a very interesting tradition that um, so, that some that some righteous. I, this is kind of a very mystical concept, but that are the righteous people. I don't remember where I even heard it. That righteous people who kind of have to come back to this world for some kind of atonement will come back as a chicken that will be eaten by people on Friday night, right? And therefore, I was by a uh, house of a of, Yerushalmi. Uh, he said, before he served the chicken, he said, well, I don't know if you told Yerushalmi, you know, the way that is very often, they really don't have any money. So 
it's always a horrible eating there because um, they invite you and you're always like wealthy American yeshiva about there who's stuffing himself on his whole, you know, the whole week and you come there and they serve chicken soup bowls, right? And everyone gets his bowl and you look in your bowl and there's a nice piece of chicken in the bowl and in your friend's bowl, there's a piece of chicken and in the kind of homeowner's bowl, kind of the balmash guy, you see maybe, you know, like a little chicken leg there. And you look around at all the other bowls, and like nobody else has chicken in their bowl. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, you know, so you you you, you eat the chicken, then you throw the soup, and then you okay, so you're waiting for the main course, and then they bring out the applesauce and the candies and the sunflower seeds, and that's the end of the meal. Yeah. Um, and you're like, I just took chicken out of the mouth of the family. <laughs> so it's and then, and then like so you try to avoid invitations when they get very hurt that you know you don't want to come. So I used to kind of when I was there, my my friends and I we told them that that we don't feel comfortable, you know, that it's it's kind of you know hard for us to, to come to houses. But if he lets us buy chicken for Shabbos, we'll we'll come. So we went to his personal showcase. Whatever he got some one store in Gaul that he trusted, and we would buy chicken and we would bring it our Shabbos to 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 late to, to make sure that there was enough chicken for everybody. But the purpose of the 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 point is that before he would eat the chicken, he would say. Have in mind that you are doing this for Kedusha Shabbos. So I said, oh, I said, I came over here and you're really high to helping us improve. He said, I don't care about you. He said, I care about the chicken. He said, <laughs> you imagine if the tzaddik is here, he came as a Gilgal, he's about to be eaten for Shabbos, and the guy who eats him only does it to fill his belly and doesn't <laughs> appreciate the reason. So it was a good lesson, you know, but, but, but I've, heard, I've heard this idea before that, you know, there, there is that you know, eating the food, eating on Shabbos is like eating is like eating sacrifice. Is for a very similar thing. Is that I talked about the fact that you have to have the recognition that we have the ability to uplift the material world and make it holy. Yeah, that, 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 I, I, that's a that's a great point. All right, um, we'll stop here. I think next week um, 